Friends, our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh God, in this conversation to come, may the words of our hearts be pleasing to you. And may our actions that flow forth from this conversation and this listening honor you in all that we do. In Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. Friends, I am really honored to have one of my heroes here with me this morning. Um, Suzanne Stabile is a master Enneagram teacher, also the Enneagram godmother, um, both names of which she was given. (laughs) Um, And she's here to talk with us about, um, in her deep wisdom, what it means for us to follow our souls and our essence when so much in the world asks us to follow anything but those things. So can we start just by, for people who don't know what the Enneagram is. Sure. Can you tell us? Well, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I've been teaching for 30 years, and I've really worked hard on an elevator speech, and the only one I've come up with is I have to get stuck between floors. (laughs) And then I can, you know, go on and on. But the one thing I would say is that... um, it's, it's 3,000 years old at least. It's been in every faith belief on the planet. And it's essentially about nine ways of seeing. And I know it sounds reductive to say that we all fall in one of these categories of nine ways of seeing, but we do. And I can prove it. So <laughs> I, c- I can teach you and then you'll go, oh yeah, that, that's for sure how I see and that's how I see and that's how I see. And I would suggest that based on uh, a part of what you're becoming as a community, if we're going to belong to one another, we have to have some help having grace for people who don't see the way we do. You know, when you see somebody and you think, I would never do that, right? Or I would, I would never say that. Well, you would if you saw the way that person sees and um, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to bring peace to the earth, essentially. <laughs> it's a big job. It's a small task. It's a big job, but, you know. Uh, Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I don't want to aim low. 
Um, so I want to start with the scripture that we just read. Um, it's this really beautiful moment where, okay, right before this happens, where Jesus comes to the synagogue, he's been in the wilderness, and he's been tempted by all these false stories. So um, we're in this series called The Stories We Tell Ourselves, and really Jesus' wilderness experience is such a pure <laughs> description of that, that he was told, what if you could be this? What if you could be this? He was tempted by all these things to be these false stories, and he said no to every single one of them. And when he emerged from that, um, he, I think he already knew who he was, but he really knew who he was. And then he stands up, and he lets himself be seen as one who knows who he is. And then he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And yes, it's Jesus, and the Spirit of the Lord was not upon, upon him in a very particular way. But this feels like this bravery of stepping into knowing where the Spirit is upon us yep. is also all of our work to do. Yep. And that's where the essence comes in and the Enneagram, that it's calling us away from these false stories. So will you talk to us a little about that? Sure. Um, I'm going to tell a story and then talk to the story because that's how I teach. So this guy over here, Reverend Joe Stabile, is my husband. Um, he is a former Catholic priest. I saved him from all that when he was 40. <laughs> and he's now a United Methodist pastor, retired but on staff at First Methodist downtown Dallas. And um, I'm, I'm deeply in love with him. And he's the best person I know. And we're very different. And I uh, wanted our four children to live in a home where we honored and loved one another so that they would look for that themselves later as they grew up. And um, the Enneagram has been particularly helpful. So here's the story. I travel for work all over the country. I know airplanes and airports and how all the stuff works. And Joe happened to be on a trip with me, and um, the plane had already mostly loaded. I noticed that there was no more overhead space because you notice those things if you fly a lot. And I knew what bags would fit under the seat in front. And I see this couple walking down the aisle, and uh, it was obvious by their confusion with the flight attendant that they spoke Spanish and the flight attendant did not. And the woman is following behind her husband, and our guess is that they were Guatemalan based on our experiences with Guatemalan folk and color and all the beauty. And he was carrying the suitcase in front of him, and I'm automatically thinking it's not going to fit in the overhead bin, and it's not going to fit below the seat. So what are they going to do? And now, just so you know, it, it'll matter more if you come tonight and tomorrow night and read my books and all the good stuff. But, and the Cowboys moved their game to Wednesday, if you haven't heard. <laughs> so they're not playing tonight. So, but I am. Um, I'm a two on the Enneagram, and that means that I want to meet the needs of everybody that I encounter. And Joe's a nine on the Enneagram. So he happens to be bilingual in English and Spanish. And they are coming down the aisle. And I also know the bag's not going to fit, but there are only two seats left on the plane and they're not together. And so I'm worried about them sitting apart, like, I, like I'm all up in it. And um, they are trying to communicate 
with the flight attendant and it's not working and I start punching Joe. Saying, you need to help them. You can translate for them. They're not going to get to sit together. We've got to do something. The bag's not fitting. They don't understand. You need to help them. And he just sat there. He said, they'll handle it. I said, they're not handling it. And he said, it'll be fine. And I said, it's not fine. And they didn't get to sit together and they took their bag away from them. And the best person I've ever met behaved very badly. And I'm trying to decide how I'm going to handle that. So I cool my jets a little bit and wait till we get home and land and we get back to our house and I say, can I talk to you about something? And he said, well, sure. And I said, you know that I think you're just good all the way through. Why wouldn't you help those people? As a nine on the Enneagram, he answered with a nine answer, which is, it didn't occur to me that it was mine to do. To which I said, that's why God gave you me. To tell you when things are yours to do so that you can do the stuff, right? Two trips later, same scenario, different people. Joe Stabile sure did climb over me to help the people. Because his essence always wanted to help. It's his personality that thought he wasn't supposed to. So I spend my time uh, doing things I'm too old to do in terms of traveling teaching people who they're not so that we can let go of all of who we're not and at least in moments proclaim that we are our essence and we are here to do God's bidding. Why is that so hard? (laughs) Why is it so hard for us to know what is ours to do? Well, people have been telling you, like me, What's yours to do frequently for a, since you were a child, right? I, I, I think the thing is um, we're trying so hard to carry all of these layers of personality that we've added on to make our way in the world that it's a lot to see through to know what's ours to do. There's a lot there. And, you know, I... I think we have to learn new things about the word allow. seems like Jesus just allowed everything to happen. You know, I would have stepped in much earlier, right? I would have taken care of so many. Yeah, right, right. You're, you're better at it than I am. Like, you would have been all over it, right? <laughs> and um, that's where we found our value. Instead of finding our value in our essence. I had never heard anybody except Joe say what Matthew said this morning when he said essentially what Joe says, which is you can't do anything to get God to love you more and you can't do anything to get God to love you less. And what the Enneagram teaches us is that based on how we were predisposed to be when we arrived on the planet, we have added layers and layers and layers to be who we thought God wanted us to be and to do what we thought God and others wanted us to do. And maybe in the end, none of that was necessary. But I I think you can't grow up without some protection. And I think it's about learning when you can let go of it, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some monks in a big 
uh, city, the capital of Thailand, who for years had tended to a clay Buddha. And the Buddha was cracked, and they tended it to take care of it and preserve it for thousands of years. And um, it was starting to crack, and one of the Buddhist monks had the courage to take a flashlight and shine it in and see what was beneath all of this clay and plaster. And it turned out that it was all protecting the most beautiful golden Buddha in all of Thailand. And I love to tell that story because all these layers of personality that we've put on, uh, are they served as a protection when we needed them. And when we can let go of them, we're pure gold. I feel that way about a nanosecond a day, by the way. It's not like a place you arrive to. <laughs> but yeah. I have golden moments. Golden moments. Right? Well, and so... I- Again, back to this moment with Jesus, I think when we do feel those golden moments, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's terrifying. Right. You know, you think, we think like, oh, when I really live into everything I am, I'm going to feel great. And actually, I feel like I just want to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, this is who I am, really, really. This isn't me trying to be a thing or play a part, like... This is my soul shining forth, and I'm just going to do that like in front of people where they can see it? Well, don't, don't you think it's because that's never the story you tell yourself, right? So um, I, I've written a couple of books, and um, in the first one, it occurred to us that we're going to have to have some way to help us stop this storytelling because it's bad. I, how many of you... Tell yourself lovely, wonderful stories about yourself every morning. Yeah, I know. It's like, man, I look old today. Right? Or whatever. Bad hair day, all the things. Uh, We just both talked about putting on lipstick so we wouldn't look pale. Right? You're Lebanese. You're not supposed to look pale. I'm not supposed to look pale, y'all. I'm Lebanese. I got to put some lipstick on to represent. Yeah, well, you know, I'm adopted, and I, I want to be Italian because Joe is, and I like all the stuff, right? But I just did the ancestry thing in a search for my biological parents. As it turns out, I'm like the whitest person on the world, <laughs> in the whole world. So I don't know. You know, that wasn't the story I was telling myself. I'm just saying. So we came up with SNAP, and, and this is what it represents. Stop. You know, we're moving and talking and moving all the time. Just stop. That's S. N. Notice. Are people moving toward you? Are they moving away from you? Are they listening to you? Are they kind of glazed over and not listening to you? Are they offended by you? Notice what's happening. Ask. And that's the big one for today. And the ask is this question. Is the story I'm telling myself right now true? And then you ask it again. Because you'll say yes right away. Yes, it is. So then you have to ask again, is it really true? And then P is for pivot. If necessary, just turn and go a different direction. And that's as easy as this once you start the practice, right? So, like, it's not good for a pastor's wife to be, like, handsy and hug people all the time and, you know, touching people all the time and stuff. And that defines me. 
And I, I have to stop and notice that, and now I know the Enneagram and I know who, what numbers want to be touched by me and what don't. And I, I've learned to kind of control this need for acceptance and love to accept and love the person in front of me. But you got to have a practice or you're just going to keep, you know, I guess it's not good in this particular setting to say, touch your way through the world. <laughs> and I've never been in a Methodist church that had a holy water font, ever, but we did serve one that did. And it was rounded pews, and there's a section here and then a section at the back, and right at the beginning of the back row of the front section was a holy water font, which Joe loved coming from the Catholic church, like all the stuff. And the superintendent of schools, uh, his name was Mr. McClendon, sat right there. And he was bald. And on Sundays, he would pray for hair. And I thought, well, bless his heart. He must want it really bad. So I started, knowing the power of holy water and all the goodness, just dipping my hand in the holy water when I walked by him and putting it on his head and praying for hair. So Joe says to me one afternoon, uh, when he calls me Suzanne, I know I'm in trouble. And he said, Suzanne, we need to talk. And I thought, uh, what have I done now? And he said, I said, what have I done now? And he said, well, now y'all, this is really true as it gets. He said, some people don't like to be touched. And I want you to know to the person that thought had never crossed my mind. I thought everybody wanted the affection that I want, right? And I said, you're kidding. He said, no, and Mr. McClendon really doesn't like it on Sunday mornings with water. Okay, so I don't pray over bald men with water anymore. I really appreciate how honest he was, you know? Like, I might have been thinking that if I yeah. were him, but I would never have been like, I'm praying for hair, you know? Yeah. I would have probably just let Quietly that be my prayed quiet prayer. Right. right, right. Silent part only. Yeah, well, if he'd yeah. done that, he would have avoided all this whole problem, <laughs> right? So, so let me just say, these ways of seeing... Uh, that if we could embrace could actually help us belong to one another. It kind of stops judgment, doesn't it? It's like all the things you used to think about people, instead of that, you just think, oh, I bet that person is, uh, right? And it's not about putting you in a box. You know, I just show you the box you're already in. It is about freedom, though. Uh, You know, when I'm all dressed up and trying to be something I'm not, which, of course, this is a temptation for me to try to be all holy and Jesus-y and all that. And and when I do that and people uh, show me some appreciation or affection, then I don't get to have it because I wasn't being me. And unless I mess it up in the next two or three minutes, I think I've got to win today. (laughs) I think I'm just me, just me. But actually, that says far more about you than it does about me. So I've been saying all morning to the people I've encountered who are on staff here, I'm in a lot of churches in a lot of cities. And I've never been in a place where the staff was so kind. And I think what I do in the world creates kindness. And it makes space for all of God's creation. 
And it helps us just be instead of all this other stuff that we do. I, you know, I, I don't know anything that fits what I do better than belonging to God and belonging to one another. So the, the poster framed in Matthew's office will be gone when I leave. We will Just know. to be forthcoming, it'll be at my house if y'all need it for anything. Well, I think that's why we were so grateful that you um, wanted to be here because I think all of what you do and how you embody the wisdom that you teach is about that belonging. Um, I, I said in the 9 o'clock that I think people can come and hear you tell them hard things about the, the shadow side of who yeah. we are, yeah. the, the patterns that we get stuck in that limit us and keep us from living in our essence. And we can hear that from you because we know that you love us. And because we can feel that so truly, we can stay for the hard stuff. And I just feel like that's what original blessing is, you know? We understand that God loves us, and that lets us actually go so much deeper into the work of figuring out how to live from our souls when it's hard and when we've really messed it up and when we put so many layers over our own goldenness um, out of threat or fear or worry about being seen and shiny um, love is the thing that, that, that releases us to doing the work. So, um, thank you for helping us do that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So I want to remind you that the most important thing happening this evening in Dallas is that Suzanne is going to be here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. tonight. And I also just want to remind you that you have these things called DVRs or recorders, whatever. I don't even know that. Is that like an old lady term? I don't know. My kids are hey, coming. I'm, like, I'm the old that. lady here. Okay. Just saying. My kids are like, mom, nobody says that anymore. Okay. Um, you could maybe record the game and watch it later and come and listen to Suzanne, who you won't get to watch later. We are live streaming it, but we're not recording it because you just got to be here. Um, she'll be here tonight talking about belonging. She'll be here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. to talk about meaning. Um, It is worth your time to come and hear Suzanne talk about all the wisdom that she wants to impart to us. So I really encourage you to come. Um, And let's pray as we close. God, we somehow trust that your spirit is upon us, even when we don't feel it, even in ways that we don't yet know or understand. And we also confess that it feels beautiful and terrifying to think about how we could live into that. To think about what it means for us to show up exactly as who you made us and to do the things that we are here to do. So we pray boldly for clarity and bravery to do that work, God that your spirit would rest upon us in a way that would send us forth to shine as who you have made us to be. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.